Blog Talk Radio. We are the UR Tennis Network. Our mission is to be the voice of tennis. We enlist a team of passionate enthusiasts to promote our sport. We strive to bring interesting perspectives on the many spins of tennis. Our goal is to provide the learners of our sport with current news and information from many angles. We seek active participation from communities interested in tennis, but tennis is not interested in them. We are expanding our outreach. Tennis is a true lifetime sport that needs to be talked about, and the UR Tennis Network pledges to pursue this idea relentlessly. Good afternoon, tennis fans. Welcome to the Yellow Ball Network, where you'll find all your tennis news. This is your host, Coach John Denise, exploring tennis blessings with our guests. Tennis is a wonderful sport, which can be the vehicle that takes you through life's journey. And our guests will provide the roadmap for that journey. Our format will take a different road in February, uh, which is actually just a couple of weeks away. And each week I will be interviewing tennis coaches who have paved the pathway for many tennis players and coaches. They have authored books and are on tennis, of course, and about life, and they continue to give back today. Who will you expect to hear each Thursday starting in February? Well, how about Alan Fox? And then how about Chuck Reese, Dr. John Murray, and, of course, our Florida resident, Scott Williams. And in March, of course, we have five Thursdays in March, and those days, we'll st- well, stay tuned, and you'll see who joins them in conversations with you. I'm sure you would enjoy them. I would like to thank the Yellow Ball Network CEO, J.P. Weber, for hosting the Tennis Network. And if you're not following We Coach Tennis on Facebook, you are really missing out on useful information. The nice thing, of course, about Blog Talk Radio is that if you can't tune in live to, say, Lisa Stone on her Tuesday's Parenting Aces, or Chuck Reese's Great American Tennis on Wednesday, you can listen at any time you choose. Because I believe Dr. King, when he said, our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter, each Thursday I will add my personal views on North American tennis, and naturally you will hear my biased views on high school tennis. I believe that The tennis journey should be going through our high schools, and together we may wake up the sleeping giant called high school tennis. The almighty willing, you will continue to be able to read my articles in Florida Tennis, and as I have previously expressed, if you disagree with me, I'm more than willing to share the information either in Florida Tennis or on this network. Uh, I do believe in listening to people. I believe that life is a two-way street, and I want to hear your view. You can reach me, just email me at coachdenise.fhstca at net. Remember, where there is no vision, the people will perish. That's Proverb 29.18. I also want to thank Wilson Tennis, 100 years of providing sporting equipment. I've seen quite a bit of it. I appreciate all they do for high school tennis. I wish I could be around to see the next 100 years what they do. I want to thank District 15 and JTL and their programs for starting the kids in the 10 and under. Flagler Insurance for their support uh, continuously over the years. And, of course, Team Connection Tennis, who reminds us that tennis fuels life. Before I get started, I think we have an outstanding uh, show today. I think you're going to enjoy Coach Tom uh, 
Farham, uh, his experience is just incredible. I had the privilege of uh, meeting him and his wife, uh, Margaret, a uh, few weeks ago, even though he's been on our broadcast before. Uh, we were at a uh, coaches meeting together, an extraordinary man. So I don't want, usually I give my own views at the end of the broadcast, but I sure wouldn't want to interrupt anything that Tom is saying. So let me give you my perspective now. Uh, tomorrow is a special day in our country, and it was about this time eight years ago that I sent our president a congratulatory email telling President Obama how proud I was to watch a black American sworn in as president of the United States. I also stated that although I did not vote for him, I remained ready to help, and I prayed for his success. A couple of months later, I actually received an email back, which claimed to be from President Obama's office, asking if I would contact my congressman and ask for his vote on an issue. I answered and stated why I could not and asked the president if he had considered some points I made. Later during the president's first term, I again received emails requesting I contact my representative. And again, unfortunately, I stated why I could not uh, support his argument. Of course, later on, I received similar emails, and by this time, I realized that probably my emails weren't being read. I did not respond to them because I realized the sender was really not interested in my views. I was also now receiving emails from other organizations of the Democrat Party with instructions on how I could support the party. No, I've never been a member of that party, and until, nomina until nominated, was never a supporter of Donald Trump. I have been blessed to live a long enough life to have celebrated, I'm sorry, to have celebrated when the elections went the way I desired, and of course disappointed when most of the electoral was not supporting my candidate. But win or lose, the president was my president and was entitled to my support, which I always gave. Tomorrow, the United States will have a new president, and as citizens of this great republic, we expect him to be the president of all our citizens, and we should all be supportive of him. God bless America, and may the republic continue to live. Well, you've heard my perspective. I wanted to get that over early because I'm really excited about our guest today. I've been blessed to have been able to have him on before. And like I said earlier, I was privileged to be at a meeting where he was at and meet him and his wife, Margaret, which are just outstanding people. But those of you that don't know, I'm going to let Coach Tom Farham do most of the talking today because, well, his knowledge is just such that he should, it just needs it. We have to get through this here. Uh, the tennis lessons, like I stated before, can help us in our journey through life, and they are rewarded. But we have to keep checking ourselves to make sure that we have an appreciation of what's gone on in the past, and we have an understanding of what our responsibilities are in the future. And Tom Parham has coached tennis for 40 years and has shared what he has learned in the Little Green Book of Tennis. I strongly recommend that book to everybody. I've read the book. Uh, I've already had notes in it. I've uh, sent an information that uh, he had sent for uh, the North Carolina uh, Coaches Association, and I shared that with our Florida High School Tennis Coaches Association because I think we need to get it in the hands of all uh, our 
not only our tennis players, but also our coaches and our uh, parents and uh, players as well. Uh, this, by the way, is his third book, book sharing the knowledge he's acquired as a teacher, a coach, administrator of college athletic programs. And I feel blessed to be able to have a conversation with him again. Uh, coach, are you there? Yes, sir. John, right here, and good to hear your voice. feel like I've well, got a new friend. Good to hear your voice again. Uh, I was just telling the audience how, uh, you know, about what you've done in college, uh, and I want you to fill in the pieces that I missed, if you would, please. But in the second part of our conversation, I want to get into your plan for helping uh, North Carolina high school tennis, and really your plan is our discussion down in Plantation a couple of weeks ago. You want to help high school tennis all across the country, and my own bias, I do believe that uh, we need to do something about high school tennis uh, becoming a sport and not an after-school activity if we're going to sit there and bring college tennis back to what it is. Would you just go through a little bit more about yourself? Uh, I know I didn't, uh, I haven't covered, it would, it would take the whole show to cover uh, your Hall of Fame awards and all your coach of the years and everything, but properly introduce yourself to the audience, please. <laughs> well, thank you. I, uh, I'm a redneck from North Carolina. I've lived here all my life. My father was a minister. Um, and uh, he played tennis for Wake Forest University or college back in 1928. I didn't think much of tennis. I was a football and basketball, baseball guy like so many my age at that time. I'm 76 years old. Um, <clears throat> I love to watch the ball bounce. So I liked sports. It was a way that I didn't have to be in church all day long. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But... Uh, as long as I was working or going to school, trying to do the right thing, my dad supported uh, my athletic interest. And then I, and I thought first that I'd be a football player and really wanted to go to Wake Forest. Uh, they had a guy named Norman Sneed over there, and so they didn't need me. So uh, I wound up going to a private school, Atlantic Christian College, which has now changed its name to Barton College. It's in uh, eastern North Carolina. And I went there on a basketball scholarship and when I was uh, uh, in school, uh, they built some tennis courts, and they had a man named Ed Cloyd. He was a real gentleman and a good tennis player, and I sort of fell under his wing. And then um, when I went to grad, went to Carolina or North Carolina Graduate School and with an uh, education master's, and then went right back down there and taught uh, for 20 years at the same little uh, Atlantic Christian College school. Um, I was given the tennis team. I had begun to play a little recreationally, uh, and I really did like the people in the game and um, <clears throat> the game itself. I, but I was a basketball person, and I thought I was going to be the next Dean Smith. So uh, I did that for a while, and then um, I, the more I, my team did well, I, my, I was really lucky to have some great kids right off the bat in both schools I worked at, and, and uh, the Atlantic Christian had had very, very limited background, but all of a sudden we uh, got to winning and recruiting good players, and we would go from one um, good kid to a new recruit, and I was feeling like I ought to go back and get a Ph.D. degree, but I fell in love with the kids, and uh, all of a sudden we won a championship which allowed us to go to Kansas City, and play in the NAI tournament, and that was uh, eye I'd never seen anything like that. And uh, at that time, there was a great battle going on between California schools, or small schools, Texas small schools, and Florida. Florida had uh, a ton of those, uh, uh, and I was uh, friends with a lot of those people, uh, Peter Scott at Flagler and uh, the people at Leon and Barry and all those size of schools. And uh, the NAIA was a, a 256 open draw deal, and every kid got to play a lot. And uh, we just kept sort of inching up on it. I got a particularly good young man named Tom Morris who led our team in 1979 to the national championship. 
and then I won it again at Atlantic Christian in 1984. Uh, in 85, I moved to Elon University in uh, the Piedmont of North Carolina. Dr. Alan White hired me there as the associate AD, and uh, I taught some. I always have taught. I, I, a lot of coaches don't like to teach, but I have. Uh, I like the normal kid, uh, just finding out where they were from, and uh, particularly in eastern North Carolina. You know, we're a little bit uh, out of the beaten path down here, and, of course, I'm living at the coast now, but uh, it's it's a developing area, and I think uh, – we're, we've got a lot of growing to do, but our coast is doing well. And now uh, uh, we uh, uh, both little schools have sort of come back, and Elon uh, particularly has done extremely well. So I spent 20 years at Elon, and uh, I had a great player named Roland Thornquist, who was a Swedish kid. And he and another Swedish boy, Stefan Hager, they uh, rolled one of the singles and they won the doubles, and our team won the NAI in 1990. Uh, <clears throat> at that point, our school changed uh, affiliations, and we had a big little pathway from all the way from the NAI to Division II to the Southern Conference, which was where we were when I left. And I thought it was a really ideal little conference and with Davidson and Wofford and Appalachian and those schools. And now the school has grown even more and has gone into the Colonial Athletic Association. So most of my time was spent, uh, all of it professionally, it was uh, in small colleges. Uh, but I ran the gamut trying to make a living from uh, teaching lessons, private lessons, to uh, recreation tennis. I was the head of recreation in a small town. I was uh, – uh, ran tennis camps was, was as tough as anything we did. We did it as a family, and uh, the Atlantic Christian College tennis camp was the first one in North Carolina in 1961. So uh, I've been teaching all levels of people. What I've tried to make people aware of is there there's a classic way of teaching tennis, a time-honored way of teaching tennis, and there are levels of play. There are all kinds of people from the very beginning level to all the way up to the three or four or five guys that I had that were capable of playing, not in the top 100 players, but uh, on the circuit and, and doing well out there and winning, making a little money and, and uh, playing on even beyond college. So I, I do think I have a sort of an eclectic background in terms of seeing the game uh, from all different levels. And as an uh, as an educator, as an administrator, you know, we ran all. We ought to dealt with the football, basketball, all of it, the men, women. Uh, and you had to do a lot of different games and a lot of different kinds of people and parents. And uh, I think that has given me a little bit of uh, a perspective that's different from some other people. Uh, I, I think that the book, if we get into the book a little bit later, maybe has a some information in it that you don't find in the standard uh, how do I hold the racket, how do I step, how do I keep score kind of book. Um, we we had a, a Dutch girl that I asked her if they had uh, Easter in Holland, and she said, yeah. I said, well, you have the Easter Bunny. And uh, she said, yeah, we got the Easter Bunny. And I said, well, uh, what can the Easter Bunny do? And, and uh they hemmed and hauled. This was the first time I coached the women. And I, thought, I said, the uh, the best thing to know is where the eggs are hidden. And I'm the Easter Bunny, so I know where you can get points on a tennis court. And so they called me the Easter Bunny for, for, for a long time. And literally, when the girls would win a point that we'd worked on that I specifically drilled them on, I would hear them shout all the way across the court. They would say, Bunny Point. And uh, so my job was to... Uh, uh, give them all the information I could and to not having been a great player, a lot of us guys that sat on the bench uh, and watched uh, and wanted to get in there so badly, uh, we learned a lot about athletics that way and uh, don't get me wrong, I think great players make great coaches too but um, I did a lot of studying it, I had a particular talent for writing I was an English major and um, so I, it dawned on me that uh, there was a lot of stuff that wasn't available that it really would have helped me uh, if I had come along uh, like so many high school coaches do now. 
they're the football coach and they're just given the job. And as we said perhaps earlier, they really don't know a lot about the game, and and that happens all over North Carolina. And oh, so I began all to put, over the country, though, coach, and it happens in Florida. Happens all over. And I do want to get it a little bit more into the book after because it's uh, so important. But I also want to let everybody know because uh, I know, Tom, you're not going to get to it, but I think it's important for the people to know that uh, you were actually uh, produced uh, three uh, national team champions. And to me, which is so impressive, you did it in three different decades, in the 70s, the 80s, and the 90s. And, of course, uh, I'd be just so proud in 2007 being uh, inter- Intercollegiate Tennis Association Hall of Fame inductee. Uh, even somebody like you that don't like to talk that much about yourself, it has to be a proud moment being there with uh, uh, Washington and Brian and Todd Myron and uh, I forgot who the other people were, but uh, you know, uh, I think there's Definitely an important thing is that there's more to coaching than just understanding the game of tennis or the game of baseball or the game of basketball, whatever the game is. There's a lot more to coaching, and I think you go into that so well. And I would like to get back to that because especially at the high school level, that's important. But I had a few guests on recently and they're telling me that college tennis is not what it was, and that, and then which is even more disturbing. Uh, not just because it's bashing my ego, because I'm telling everybody to go to college before they go trying to find if they're going pro, and they're saying that's the worst thing to do is there's no more the good players don't go to college no more. And and I see Johnson out there and Isner and of course Sock, and but I don't see enough of them. Uh, can you help us a little? Well, it's been um, probably I've worn this out, John, and and I I've always um, I just mentioned three international kids that played for me. I was like every other coach. I know that uh, I knew that you had to win to keep your job, and I had a family. And I uh, got to tell you, at, at the level I was at, you may make much money. Uh, you really had to hustle to to. Keep a two. I had two kids. See, so I, I knew what winning was, and I had enough ego to really want to win. And I, I look at it sometimes and think maybe I was uh, a too myopic about winning. And at the end of my career, I began to do better about seeing the virtuous things that the kids did. Uh, I watched a girl forego being in her best friend's wedding because we were one girl short on a spring trip and. The little girl said to me with under, with tears, I had given her blessings to to go to her friend's wedding, but she said uh, with tears in her eyes, I will not at le- uh, not at let Elon College go off not being properly resented, uh, represented. And I saw a little girl uh, play the only match she got to play as a senior who um, in, there were nine points in the tiebreaker that she could have called the other way and you know, when she got through, she was on the other team. I asked her, Coach, uh, can I speak to her? And, and he said, yes. And I, I said, you're going to be through with this thing in about a month, college tennis. And she said, yes, sir. And I said, when you're through with it, you'll still be honest, won't you? And those kind of things are they're important life lessons in any number of ways. Uh, tennis, of course. Um, I have an example of what it turns up to be maybe the most important lesson in tennis about sportsmanship uh as i mentioned to you that thornquist boy um who's coaching there ranked number one the women in florida he's the coach down there and i saw him on tv and i write this up in the book uh he's playing mike sell for the indoor championship and the umpire called a ball against sell and thornquist stopped the match and said i can't take that point and it might have been uh to win the national championship indoors might have been what needed was needed to catapult him into the pro circuit, but he he made that decision on his own. So if we start losing that stuff, and I I see too many uh, all of the big sports, uh, the money has become so so important. So 
uh, I, I really think it's important to go to college and have a scholarship. Uh, and I don't think people are going to go, uh, and I don't think they're going to keep uh, selecting uh, tennis as a sport for their kids to play if there are no tennis scholarships for American kids. And we have gotten to the point where everybody knows that's a problem. I'm not some ogre, some redneck xenophobic guy up here in North Carolina. The fact of the matter is it's all over everywhere. It's spread like kudzu, started in uh, in the small colleges right there in the NAIA. We, we had a one international student rule, and they voted that out. And the next thing you know, 32 out of 36 kids, or 30, 30 out of 34 seeds were international. So for every international scholarship you give, and as we stated down there at, the, at our meeting, uh, there's $600 million worth of tennis of money spent on college university tennis in America. Uh, I just saw uh, this week, I uh, looked up a, uh, an international, how many basketball players uh, that uh, in America over the last five years, we've had 3,500 basketball players playing in our colleges and universities and, and pro ranks. Well, you say, they're, they're entertaining. I like watching those guys play. Uh, they're big old uh, um, uh, European guys that are tough and know how to play. Why not let them play? Well, every time you bring one of those guys over here, you bump an American kid. And in basketball, that's a very often a minority kid or a poor kid who doesn't have uh, other, another entry into uh, making enough money to, to to survive in our society. So I see that as wrong. I see it wrong that Duke University's women's golf team, uh, after we just passed Title IX to take care of our women, which is a, a 1970, hasn't been that long ago, and now Duke's uh, got a team that finishes first and second the last two years, women's golf team, and is not American on the roster. So what does that tell a young coach who's coaching golf? He's I got to go over there and uh, recruit uh, internationally. We had a I have a coach within this ten day period that told me that he went to a a, a showcase tournament in Germany, and there were thirty three American co- coaches in Germany looking for players. Uh, and this guy's telling me I I think I'm going to get four four girls from Taiwan to come over here and play American college tennis. Now, I've, I'll re, uh, go back to the same point. We have had some great kids, and one of the reasons that the American coaches go get these kids, and the American parents and players need to understand this, these kids, in large, by large, in large part, are very well behaved. They're very good students. They are very good players, and they don't give the they don't give the coaches a hard time. So. We need to re-examine the behavior of our own kids and the relationship the parents have with the whole process. Now, uh, right now, you mentioned we're right in the middle of the uh, Australian Open. Uh, our number one guy is a North Carolina guy. Isner's already been beaten. Uh, Johnson's been beaten. Uh, Ryan Harrison's been beaten. Uh, the, there's We've had some good new ones that have popped up, and all this thing the USTA is doing uh, I hope it uh, is something that will succeed. But my feeling and my my appeal is to what we call in North Carolina the pathway to getting there. <clears throat> excuse me. Comes from uh, the parents more than any other one source. You say, well, the parents aren't coaches, and that, but I don't. I can tell you, no matter who you hire to coach your child. They will not care as much about them as you do. So you will see them in all those moments, maybe not tennis-wise. You can put them to where they can get the tennis knowledge, but you need to teach them how to behave. You need to teach them how to be tough. You need to teach them how to get up on time to eat properly. Parents do that better and have historically in uh, the United States from your Chris Everett and John to you can go on and name Connors and uh, the Bryan brothers now and the Serena and Venus, they're all family-oriented, and they come through a play period, a lesson period, a junior tournament period, a high school experience period, and a college period. Now, if you don't have that college period with the scholarships out there as a carrot, as a motivation for our parents to say, hey, 
it costs $250,000 for a college education at some private schools in America. That is not a small amount of money. So I, I'm uh, concurred, as we did together talking this over, uh, but I also think this is true, John. I think it's very important not to lose sight of that number four kid who's 15 years old, a little girl playing in Swannanoa, North Carolina, and she wants to be on the team, and she wants to play with her buddies. And in all honesty, only 3% of high school athletes play in college. Only 1% of college athletes play in the pros. So uh, I think uh, as we approach the worth of high school tennis, and certainly a goal of a scholarship is something that we we have, I think, the right to save the majority of that amount of money for our own children. But while we pursue, and I, I really think until they do that, nothing else is going to help. But until we do that, you can be assured that it's a worthwhile goal for every high school to have a good coach, to have uh, a book as a guide, to have uh, a book for the players, to have a library of information, technology. What we're doing now, uh, our, our annual meeting in Pinehurst is next week. And what we're doing now, we've got a little high school group that's uh, enthusiastic now and sort of saying, well, you know, we sort of went to sleep. Let's get back in here and and, uh, rejuvenate ourselves. And we're going to develop a a technology now that lets us house all kinds of good information. And my book will go right in that library, or we're going to call that a resource center. And then the other thing is uh, I want to activate the good players, our Hall of Fame players, the women, one of the things I don't think the women in the leagues have discovered is they're so powerful, and there's so many of them, but they have gone out there and played tennis now. They've had a playing experience. They've had they coached each other. They've uh, organized and administered their own league. There's a cadre of women coaches. I mean, women league administrators and players and coaches they can go out now and help high schools. They can be high school coaches themselves. And in all honesty, the good high school girls teams in our area have been have come from a little cadre of parents who aid the girls and who join in in helping a lady coach the team. And I just got to tell you that um, sure it's going to it's going to spawn more interest in high school tennis. It's going to make uh, more scholarships available if we can do that. Uh, that's going to be uh, a worthwhile goal. But we're going to make some better people, and uh, uh, it's it's a it's a worthwhile challenge now. The reason I've honed in on uh, 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 coaching, dealing with the high schools, uh, is it something I can do, John? I've had enough experience to to know how to really teach a kid and and uh, get them to understand what being on a team means and how much it's going to mean to them. So I I sort of said, hey, I want to make sure we have a – in North Carolina we have 100 counties. We've got 20 counties don't have a team in the high school. I want to attack that. We've got courts that need to be repaired. Uh, you can go anywhere from uh, buying them a broom to putting up a center strap for them. You know the – we 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 don't maintain tennis courts. Uh, we don't deal with the newspapers to get the scores in. So what I've done is written up a whole list of of ways that uh, uh, a cadre of helping people can join in and help the coach. We what we have in our coaches. We have coaches who care a lot. They just don't have uh, the background in tennis, and we we have that. They're lo- the local good players. Uh, the college teams, you can help those people, and they just soak it up. Now you got to give your time, and the pros have a hard time that doing that. The teaching pros because it, it's the time conflicts with when they can uh, make their own money, and they've got to make a living too. So I don't know uh, how many different ways I listed, but maybe a hundred different ways 
that people who are willing to, people in your organization, and you can sit right there and tell me of the people who've done just what I'm talking about. And you see them, you know their names, and you know how meaningful and how important they are to developing your kids. No question um, about it. And I thank you for that because it's just, uh, you know, my, I, I think all the things that you have, and that's why I presented it to the FHSTCA, because I think you, you know, you have a roadmap. And this is what I think we need is we need roadmaps to sit there and help the coaches in there. My problem is, and I couldn't help but uh, thinking uh, back and reading your book when you were talking about going to uh, one of the U.S. Opens and the USTA teaching conventions in New York, you and Jim, and here in what you thought, or Jim, I forgot which one of you thought was a, a bunch of bull and, uh, at there. And I think too, too, too often we get hung up on them telling us how to coach and they're, they're forgetting that there's human beings out there and that the tennis stroke and the movement is part of what coaching is all uh, about. And I just can't help but, and, and I do have a bias, and I admit it, but if I see the USTA competing with high school tennis rather than uh, sitting there giving the coaching organization each state has coaching organizations i think that's who they should be supporting so they could have people like you out there doing these things and giving the coaches the instructions and uh, instead and we're guilty we're good in florida we're guilty in the fhsaa uh we, we made it easier for people to go play a usta event rather than a uh uh, high school event, and I and I think there's uh, competition is a great thing, but we have to get our athletic directors uh, involved with supporting the programs, and they're not going to support it if the USTA is thinking of it only as recreational, and that's my uh, biggest beef. I, I don't think there's anybody better in the uh, country and introducing tennis recreational to people. My wife has run the uh, NJTL program for over 20 years, specializing mostly in 10 and under, although we've taken teams to the AAU Olympics and everything. But, again, once these teams get competing, the USTA wants to drop you. And uh, so... I, I think there's there has to be a marriage between, and I know there is between you and I, uh, because I think we're you know we're working at the same thing. There's a lot of people I know in Bradenton at our meeting. I I, I was blessed to uh, be with all of you because uh, most of you are more knowledgeable than I am. But at least we have open discussions, and that's I don't see that happening when people are trying to rule from the top down. Well, I I think that um, uh, in terms of uh, high school tennis, that uh, you we have a little school here that uh, I'm trying to put my money where my mouth is. That's a little one A school that uh, has only three courts, and and it's certainly not one of the teams that's going to contend for the state championship. Uh, but I went over there and asked the coach if he let me be the assistant coach. And i got to be honest with you, the boy's name is Jim Sheehan, and he, they don't need me. I mean, this guy is a good high school coach. Most of the time, if you've got a guy that's safe driving the van and cares about the kid, you've got a man or a woman that will do that for you, you've made a pretty good high school deal. Now, when I watched that crowd in North Carolina, we had a clinic with 150 of them, and I could see they were caring people. They were trying to learn. But the fact of the matter, they have very much knowledge. They didn't have they didn't have the ability. Well, that's what we need to. We need that link between knowledgeable people who love the game. And I got to tell you, I've been out there with these four kids. I mean, this new bunch of kids, and they got four freshmen on this team. And I had forgotten how much fun it is to deal with young people. And I'm having a great time. If you go out there and do it, you don't, don't be afraid of it. Help the people out. Uh, if you don't do anything more 
and stand there and watch and then be nice to the kid. Uh, you have no idea how many kids, if you just are around, they'll come tell you a problem they've got or ask you a question that you're more than more than capable of of uh, solving a problem for them very often at a crucial time. So that's you're absolutely right. There's more to coaching than knowing uh, how to hit a two-handed backhand and win. Uh, that all is important too. And I got to tell you, I like to win as much as the rest of them. I don't think that the goal for organized tennis, if you say the National Foundation of High School Athletics or the USDA or even college tennis, I'm not sure that the goal of all of that is to be able to beat on your chest and be the best. Uh, I got to tell you, I, I, I did that, and that was thrilling. I liked it too, but I, I may be more proud of having four national community service awards than, you know, some of that other stuff. And uh, the love you have uh, with your players when it's all over with, you have no idea how many people will come back to you and, and they become your lifelong friends. Even if you're not a knowledgeable person, these people will be grateful to you because you are going through a very intense period of time with them. They're the only person out there. They got to walk off of that court when they lose. And if you're there, I had a policy. I never spoke to a kid about the match for an hour after he played. They're unhappy. They don't want to talk to you. They want to hear what they did bad. See, but uh, if you uh, help them through, I, we had a. I write this up in the book. Um, we had a women's basketball coach, and they came in to our staff meeting and said she's. She's just about got 200 wins, and I didn't even think about it. I, at that point, I think I had about 600, 650 wins. I don't know. Uh, but when they said that, it blurted out of my mouth. I said, I've got almost 200 losses. And they looked at me stunned. Well, why would you say that? If you if you coach a tennis team, they got to have – you got to lose four times to lose. used to be five. So every time you lost – a contest somebody lost and you needed to know how to treat people who have lost if you don't uh and i know people bag them around but we're getting where uh you get more uh with sugar than salt so uh that's sort of a rambling uh definition of why i think uh, you are on the right path about it. I looked at your website, and of course, Florida tennis is so well known. I, 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 uh, I laud your what you've done, what's there, and in place, and and join with you in rattling a few cages, John. If we need to uh, uh, get people back on the right path, uh, I, and I think it's for all uh, all of sports in America. When you when you say you're going to give seventy um, percent of your scholarship of your scholarship money to internationals, which gets nearly three hundred million dollars. Then you're taking an opportunity away from a lot of our own kids. It doesn't mean you can't help them. It doesn't mean the word they use then is diversity. My feeling is it's there's a hundred teams that an American on the team would be a diverse person. So. Uh, that that cage needs to be rattled, and uh, there are people telling me every day that the tube is out. Of, I mean, the paste is out of the tube. I've heard that since fighting this issue in 1972. But I'm not quitting, and uh, I look for allies, and I think I found one in Florida. So thank you for letting me vent all my uh, feelings about it. Um, let me say what we did in North Carolina with the book that if you want to get the book in the hands of your coaches, we what we did, I gave the book to, or the foundation gave the book to 20 people who were knowledgeable people. They read the book. They approved the book, and they approved the price on the book. So I went out and raised money, and uh, got. we wound up giving every high school coach, 711 boys and girls coaches, the book. Now, what we're working on now is putting it on an e-book, and you can do that a whole lot cheaper. Uh, I'm trying to help uh, get it out there, John, because I want the people to be better. I want 
tennis to uh, be better. I want high school people to get to play and have a chance and not feel like their coach is an idiot. And uh, I want to give that coach a chance to feel like they're not cheating the kid because they never have had any experience in it or have no way to go. Uh, so uh, anyway, anybody wants to book, uh, uh, I, I tell all you young people, it's not a way to make a lot of money, but I'll make it a, a way to get it in the hands. It's a whole lot more easier for me to deal uh, printing. As uh, This is solely a, a one-horse machine down here, but the book's good, and I've had enough good people to say they're being helped. And I have kids that come up to say to me, Mr., that little book you wrote is I, make, I, I learned uh, how to hit a backhand from that. I learned, uh, you know, how to be behaving myself. Uh, and kids saying, you helped me pick the right college with your guidelines in the book. So as, as we said the last time, it's a, it's a great method. Harvey Pinnock and the Little Red Book of Golf, uh, they were the people who spawned the method for doing this, uh, the message is the message of, of Jim Layton and Verdick and uh, Vandermeer and all these really great teachers. I'm not talking about players. I'm talking about who are, uh, the sun-drenched, wrinkled old men who got out there and figured out how to teach this thing and how uh, what kind of tips and advice and drills uh, and strategy uh, make people better. And I think that I've done it. I don't really uh, say that... Uh, it was my doing because it really is a, is a series of plagiarized good ideas. Some of them are mine, and I surely don't make excuses for having written it. I'm I'm glad I did, and and I'll, I'm uh, like you're trying to do. Help me! I'm trying to help everybody get it in the hands uh, of the right people. It's once again, it's a whole lot easier uh, than selling them in a bunch than selling them one at a time. Um, so if People want it. Let me know. You know how to get in touch with me. Uh, we'll do whatever needs to be done. Well, tell the people how to get in touch with you too. So, well, yeah, um, okay. Well, yes, sir. Tell the people. Uh, I'm sorry, how I didn't to understand. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. If the if Could you I want give to give them your email address, or do you want to sure, give them? Sure, sure, you can. If you want to email me, that rather than going through a vendor, it's on a on ebook on with Amazon and all that. But it's a whole lot easier. Just to, anybody wants a book or any organization, you've got my email or my phone mail. I'll get them. I do it myself. It's right out of my home, and I'll I'll get them the books. Uh, but uh, stay close to me. And and uh, uh, is there any question that you think would be helpful to to direct toward the audience? Well, I think it, we've covered a good part of it. I think the, uh, I, the thing I like about what I consider the good books, and there's a there's a lot of uh, good books out there, but to me the special books are the books that aren't there's books that are geared towards players, there's books that are geared towards coaches, there's books that are geared towards uh, parents. When I read this book. I sit there, and that, that book, uh, there's something in there for the players, there's something in there for the coaches, there's something in there for the the parents. And if you're just a fan of the game of tennis, uh, I, I, I think it's a special book, and I love the way you bring these simplified things. I think that's the teaching in uh, you that you're able to do that. I always had a hard time uh, I'd probably go on too long, but the, the way you've uh, put it in the book, I think this is the type of stuff we need, and I think this is where we need help in sitting there making sure we can try to get the, um, the, the coaches uh, prepared so that they can do better. I, I often tell people, you know, I've been involved with the uh, doing the workshops for the coaches in Florida for, I don't know, it must be about 15 years I've been doing them. And, uh, but, you know, people say, why have you been doing it so long? The reason I'm doing it is because I want to sit there and just the learning curve 
cut down the learning curve. Uh, people say, how did you coach for 20 years? I coached for 20 years because I had an athletic director during the first few years that put up with some mistakes I made. Uh, I took well, teams. You, just, you never know, though. Go ahead, Tom. Well, I, no, I, I – uh... And God bless you for doing it. And and you know that you're, well, I don't know whether you're as old as I am or not, but I know that you uh, have the same kind of passion for it, and it lasts a long time. And, you know, uh, I, you wind up with the kids that play for you, teaching other people. Uh, there's a fraternity in it, a sorority or a union in it among friends. And so... Uh, we know, we've been around long enough to know that there's ways to help these people. And what hit me right between the eyes, Coach, is how many of them need help. And they they are caring people. Uh, you can turn them off. You know, you go out to a golf course and all the men are griping at the women for playing slow. I can tell you this, if the, if you don't have women at a golf course, all those guys are going out of business. We need to be nice to these people. We need to get them to, to come along and, and uh, pick up the mantle. And we need to not be uh, – I say the same thing about coaches and, and referees in the book. I can't remember we didn't have referees. And now these young coaches gripe at the people who are willing to come out there. I don't say that. I say that the coach's job is to help the referee. Uh, you know, and as you said earlier, I approach how to help referees, how to help the big organizations, uh, what we need in scoring, uh, all the the matches are too long. How do we deal with uh, getting a, a – you, you can't play two out of three sets in high school tennis. You, you don't have time. Because if you don't have lights, you're going to be playing in the dark. So there's a whole lot of ideas that these people don't even know they've got to confront. And um, I think I might have sent you a little uh, outline of what I hope to do at our, uh, at our meeting next week, which is a plan to help high school tennis. So don't give up on me. I'll, I'll stay with you and uh, let you know where we get. And uh, you do the same for me because I know you're you're heading the right direction and doing doing the same thing. And we're picking people, but you got to sell it a little bit. Uh, I don't think I could do a better job selling the book than you just did, so I, I appreciate you helping me with that. And uh, But I know you're not in it to make money, and I'm not either. Uh, we're in it uh, because we love the kids, we love the game, and i got to be on you, honest with you, in this international thing, we need to love our country. We need to love our own kids. Right. I, I can't agree uh, more than that. We have to... Uh... We have to sit there and get American kids playing more uh, college, and I think uh, it has to be through the scholarships. We have to help them get in there to uh, do it, and uh, we have to convince the people that uh, American uh, players should be the first priority rather than, uh, you know, winning. uh, We all like to win. I'm as proud of the banners in our gym, uh, but uh, that doesn't replace the – Experiences that you have, and uh, and and it's just that we have to make college. There's just there's too few people are going to make it in the pro, and I can't be, help but believe more could make it if we just work together and share the ideas like you you did. And when I re, I did receive that your outline for North Carolina and your outline for North Carolina, the FHSTCA board. And key people in that organization has that outline because I sent it to them, and uh, what recommendations there. So hopefully they will be uh, uh, discussing that shortly because some of the things, uh, you know, things that some people say uh, they're simple. I remember years ago, uh, my son, uh, who was. The John Denise School of Tennis was really my son, not me. I always tell people I was the other John Denise. But wrote a weekly right. article, Press Journal, and I used to write the article for him, and I'd give him the article to, so he would see what he was saying that week. And he would say, but, Dad, everybody knows that. And I'm saying, no, John, everybody, do you know it? No, I know yeah. it. A lot of the better pros know it, but everybody doesn't know it. 
and I think of uh, going to Cleveland with a uh, AAU team, and I think it was probably our fifth or sixth team that we take to the AAU and thinking that I had all this down. And this was the first time we flew someplace. And because we flew, we had to get a nine-passenger vehicle. And we're at a Marriott in Cleveland, and I can't get the vehicle in the parking lot because it was too big to go in. So <laughs> you never have anything planned. I think, you know, I know I've got all the bases covered except that, as you looked at the place to the left of it, there's a parking lot with beer cans all over and broken glass, and I, I wouldn't put a broken car in there. Now I have, I'm have i responsible for a team that I promised their parents that I would treat them as if they were my kids in a vehicle that I'm renting, uh, and I can't get in the garage. And I wound up having to um, bribe the hotel $50 a day for the daytime and $50 at night so that the van was parked outside wow. the hotel. And uh, the kids thought it was the greatest thing in the world. But you never have it all figured out. And then when you look at the things you have in here, it is so important. And I, we can't assume that everybody knows this. You're gonna have to, uh, you have to sit there and figure it out. Tom, I thank That's you right. for coming. You know that uh, Bobby and I are looking forward to seeing you and Margaret. The next time you're in Florida, you know you have a place to stay when uh, you're here on the East Coast. We're just a small fishing village. But I do have to sit there and thank some people now. Uh, I do want to thank Wilson. Uh, I love them not just because they're a 100-year-old a company that I've seen much of their growth uh, over the year, but I just wish I could see the next hundred uh, years because they do. But they still, their support of high school tennis, I'm just so proud to uh, uh, be associated with them. I thank Flagler Insurance for supporting our all-star uh, tournament. District 15, NJTL, to help get this association going. And one of the things that Tom talks about in his books is, you know, building with outside uh, people. Uh, quite frankly, uh, in our small fishing village, when we started the high school program, if it wasn't for the 10 and under program, we probably wouldn't have had a tennis team. And we would have went from four courts to the eight courts we had if it wasn't for the community behind us and what she's done. So we thank District 15 uh, and uh, JTL. Uh, Florida Tennis Magazine, uh, the new issue will be coming out in a week or so, and that will be part two of my uh, article will be in there. Uh, uh, is high school tennis an after-school uh, sport or an after-school activity? And there's been legitimate questions on there about sports. You mean winning and losing? No, that's winning and losing is only part of the equation, and hopefully I try to uh, get that across in the article. It took two parts. Some of the questions that I'm getting, we might wind up going with a three-part because I do want to hear, and I don't expect everybody uh, to uh, disagree with me. Uh, doing uh, business consulting, a lot of times when I'm I'm going to get people for a client and we're talking together, I remind people of general patent. Um, when he used to sit there and have meetings and saying, if everybody in this room is thinking together, has had the same views, then there's many people that aren't thinking. And I, you know, we're not, if we're all thinking the same way, and that's what bothers me when I look at, quite frankly, the USTA and everything. And I'm not, I'm not criticized that I spent eight years on the USTA Florida Board of Directors, and I reminded uh, Doug Booth, who I love dearly, the executive director, that uh, he needed people like me that's going to question. Any good corporation it has 10% of the people that agree, and he, and he understood that. He just always said he wished I could be more like uh, my wife uh, and do it in a more pleasant way, but I'm not my wife. She's a different person, and I love her dearly, but I'm me, so... Tom, thank you for being on. Uh, next week we're actually going to have, and you met the uh, 
uh, gentleman, Ashley uh, Hobson from uh, uh, Inspiration Academy. He's got yes, I did. He's, and he's a nice, nice guy. I encourage people to listen to him. He's got a good head. Okay. Thank you. Tell your friends. Thank you, sir. Tune in next week. Thank you, Tom, and have a blessed week, and we look forward to talking with everybody next week. Bye now. Thank you, John.